Are you thinking of running a virtual summit? On this episode, I share my personal experiences running a successful virtual summit that grossed over $16,000. We talk what tools to use, where to spend your money, what worked, what didn't work, how to find speakers, sponsors, and more. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast, where we feature everyday rebel women just like you who are taking charge of their life and creating a path to financial freedom by building a business online. I'm your host, Eden Freed, and it's time to build your empire. Hey guys, welcome back to the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast. It's Eden here. We have a solo episode in store for you today. This is an episode that has been a long time coming. I promised you that I would create this episode at some point after the Rebel Boss Virtual Summit, the February Rebel Boss Virtual Summit, I should say. And it's finally here. It took me a long time to be ready to record this episode, mostly because I just needed to debrief myself after the summit and really kind of just digest what happened, reflect on it mentally, I don't know, mentally recover, I guess is the right word, because it took a lot of energy out of me. Not to say that it wasn't an amazing experience, it absolutely was, but I did need to recover in terms of just like shifting my mindset from summit to other projects that I kind of had to put on hold while the summit was going on. So let's get started. I'm going to tell you everything. I'm going to be super raw, hold nothing back. I'm going to tell you the good, the bad, the beautiful, the ugly, pretty much everything there is to know about the summit and, you know, all the details within that. Okay, so earlier this year, 2019, it was February 26th through 28th, I hosted a virtual summit. It was called the Rebel Boss Virtual Summit and its focus was providing entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs with the information that they need to both create and launch a digital product this year, so within the next 12 months. Now, this is unique because everyone says when you're gonna host a virtual summit, you need to be sure that your summit isn't something that other people are already doing. Now, there are a lot of summits out there. Uh, If you're new to virtual summits and I was the first one that you ran into, that's cool, but there are lots of other summits out there. But one thing that they lack is a true niche. Now, the Rebel Boss Summit was the first summit that I found that targets specifically digital products. There's lots of business summits out there, business in general, but I hadn't come across any summits that purely targeted digital products. If you're not familiar with the term digital product, it's truly anything that can be sold digitally online. So it's not a physical product that needs to be shipped. It's something like an ebook that can be read online or printed off if you want to, but it's it's sold digitally, Um, an online course, a workshop of some sort, printables, anything like that that can be sold online and used in a digital format. Now, if you're not familiar with what a virtual summit is, essentially a summit is a conference hosted exclusively online. So there are lots of in-person summits, but you know, what are the problems with those? You need to buy a ticket if you don't live in the area, you need to get like airfare, you need a hotel or an Airbnb. So there's a lot of costs associated with traveling to a conference 
And because of that, they're really cost prohibitive and it excludes a lot of people who they're interested in ho- they're interested in learning about establishing their online business and growing their online business, but they can't afford right now to go to an in-person conference. There's just too many costs associated with it. So a virtual summit gives people the opportunity to participate in the same kind of information, but in an online setting. So that means that our attendees can watch when they want, where they want, wearing whatever they want, and they don't need to pay anything. It's completely free to attend. So I know you're wondering, if it's free, what's the incentive for me as the host? Why would I want to run a virtual summit? What's the benefit for me? It's not easy to run something like this, so why would I want to do it? Am I just crazy or is there some hidden benefits? So let's chat about all those things. First things first, why did I want to run a virtual summit? Now, I guess like the pre, I don't know what to call, I don't know what to, what to call this, but before I even say the real benefits, um, I kind of just wanted to prove that I could do it. Um, I attended a conference, like an in-person conference, in November of 2018, and it kind of changed my world and changed my perspective. I left that conference feeling insanely inspired and motivated, and I just wanted to take action on the big, scary stuff that has been sitting on my to-do list for a really long time. And a virtual summit was one of those things. I don't know. I don't know why it was something that I really wanted to run, but it was. And because of that, I was like, you know what? It's time. I'm never going to do this unless I pick a date, publish that I'm going to do it. I just need to get it done and prove to myself that it was something that I could do. So I decided while I was driving back from Nashville to Ohio that I was going to run a virtual summit in the next six months. And I did it. So part of it was proving to myself that I could do it. But the real true reasons why I wanted to run a virtual um, summit, and this is also the benefits of running a virtual summit, number one, provide information and value to people who follow me. That's the reason why I do what I do, because I want to educate and inspire people and give them opportunities to grow their business and evolve their business with free information. You know, there's obviously I'm an online business, right? I'm trying to make money, but... In order to make money, I also need to give back to the community and give free information. And a virtual summit was a great opportunity for me to do that. Within a virtual summit, whether it's three days, four days, one day, two days even, you get an insane amount of value in a really short period of time as an attendee. It's so much value that it's unheard of. I knew that hosting a virtual summit would mean that I had the opportunity to give a lot, and that was a huge driving force for me. I feel like I've received a lot in my business, so I'm constantly trying to give back to the community and give people opportunities and chances that they might not otherwise have. The next thing was networking. A virtual summit means that you get to work with tons of other experts in your space or in complementary niches. So as a summit host, I was able to invite incredible speakers to this event and build relationships with them. And by doing that, I was giving them value because I'm providing them with a platform for them to speak, which means they were able to grow their audience and their expertise. So while it's also giving me an opportunity to network with them, it's giving them an opportunity to expand their reach. So it was a mutually beneficial relationship. It gets me, what I want is an opportunity to get to know them better. And I don't even know what's going to come out of that. I've made so many amazing friends uh, through hosting the summit with all of the speakers that were a part of it. And who knows? 
knows where that relationship is going to go in the future. Maybe it will land me some podcast opportunities or some new JV webinar opportunities. Who knows where it's going to go? Some of the, the relationships may not go anywhere and some of those relationships may blossom into things that I can't even imagine. And that opportunity was something that I really was looking forward to as a summit host. The next big benefit is list growth. So of course list growth was a factor in determining whether or not I wanted to run a virtual summit. So if you know what a lead magnet is or a freebie, whatever you call it, a lead magnet is essentially something that you give for free in exchange for an email address. And that's what a virtual summit is. It's basically a lead magnet, but it's like a lead magnet on steroids. (laughs) You're basically giving away hours and hours of free content and not asking for anything in return. So because it's so much value in a really short period of time, it's really easy to promote and easy to get people to sign up because they're looking at your sign up page and they're like, oh my gosh, there's over 25 speakers. That's like 25 hours of content and it's all for free. Yeah, I'm totally gonna sign up. Even if I only plan on attending one or two of the sessions, yeah, I'm gonna sign up. So because of that, because of the high value and because it's a free event, it's way easier to get people to sign up than a typical lead magnet, which could be a checklist or an ebook or something much smaller which with much less value. So in that short period of time of running the virtual summit, my list grew by over 3,000 people in the matter of a few days. And that's not something that most people can say for a typical lead magnet. It's not typical for you to grow your list by several thousand people in the span of a few days with a simple checklist or a simple ebook. So the fact that I was able to grow by 3,000 with a virtual summit was a huge bonus. The next bonus, the next thing that is exciting for a summit host is credibility. So if you're hosting an event of this volume, a virtual summit of this volume, of course as the summit host you're going to gain some credibility. More people will know you, more people will know your name, more people will remember you. So the fact that I was at the beginning and end of every interview and I was the one sending the emails and I was the one in the Facebook group, that's a lot of FaceTime for me. That's a lot of people who are seeing my name on a regular basis. So because of that, my credibility definitely increased a few notches by hosting the virtual summit. So that's one of the things that I love about something like this is a lot of times when people are considering whether or not to pursue a project or, you know, is it going to be valuable for them at a certain period of time, they consider only tangible benefits like, will I make money? Will it be worth my time? But I like to consider other things beyond the tangible benefits. And credibility is one of those things. You can't feel credibility increase. You can't see it increase on an Excel spreadsheet or on a data chart of some sort. But it's something that is really, really important. So because hosting a virtual summit meant that I had the opportunity to increase my credibility, meant that this experience was worthwhile no matter the blood, sweat, virtual tears that came as a result of the workload, which we'll talk about in just a bit. And then the next thing that was a huge benefit Um, but not a major benefit, it it honestly wasn't the driving force at all, and I'll tell you why soon, um, is revenue. So going into the virtual summit, making a lot of money was not my goal. Um, It was like the last thing on my list. It's weird because hosting a summit does give you a lot of revenue if you do it right, but it wasn't the number one reason or number two reason or even number four reason why I wanted to do it. Um, Because when you calculate the number of hours it takes to put on a summit, plus all of the expenses you have to pay, 
if you've successfully monetized your virtual summit, you're basically making minimum wage. And that's if you've done the monetization stuff successfully, okay? So if you do everything that you need to do to make a lot of money from your summit, but you calculate that with the amount of hours you put in and the, all of the expenses and stuff, you're not really making a lot of money, but all of the other reasons for hosting a virtual summit and the benefits that you get and the benefits it gives your speakers and your registrants, it makes it all worthwhile. So I know that money is a huge consideration for a lot of you guys. So let's talk a little bit more about the money, the budget, how the summit made money, all that good stuff, because I know that's really interesting. So the summit made money in three ways. Number one, sponsors. Number two, all access pass upgrades and number three a launch immediately following the virtual summit so i'm going to start by talking about the all access pass upgrades and then we'll move into the other like the sponsorship stuff and the launch that happened after the summit okay so you're thinking i don't understand what is an all access pass the summit was free so yeah the summit was free if you got a free ticket, right? So basically you see the sign up page and you sign up for free, you get your free ticket, but here's the catch with the with the free ticket. The videos from the three days of the summit would only be available to you with a free ticket for 24 hours. After the 24 hours, those videos would expire unless you upgraded your ticket to an all access pass, okay? So um, an all access pass, this time around cost $47. So immediately after you sign up for a free ticket, you get taken to a page that says, don't forget to upgrade your free ticket to an all access pass for just $47. And if you do it before the timer runs out, you're gonna get all of these bonuses. So the timer, and I used a deadline funnel for all of my timers, um, the timer helped increase that urgency. So it basically increased the chances that people would buy an all access pass really quickly after signing up for the summit. So the the pricing was $47 for um, the entire time up until the first day of the summit. Um, and then on the first day of the summit, the price increased to $97. And then the price was supposed to increase to uh, $147 after the summit, but instead I just took down the sign up page and just didn't even promote the all access pass after the summit, which I will change next time around. And the reason why I didn't do that was because I was hosting a launch for my membership site immediately after my summit. So instead of promoting the all access passes, I just started uh, promoting my membership site. Okay, so that's how it made money in terms of ticket sales. And why would somebody buy an all access pass? Like I said, the videos would expire. So if people bought an all access pass, they were basically buying lifetime access to all of the videos. So for anyone who has a really chaotic lifestyle, their parents, they have full-time jobs, they just have other things going on during that week, they were gonna miss the summit or miss parts of the summit they didn't want to miss. So upgrading to an all access pass meant they could watch the summit on their schedule whenever they want, wherever they wanted, and they wouldn't have to worry about missing anything or worry about um, forgetting to attend something. So the All Access Pass basically gave forever access to all of, of the videos, plus it unlocked several hundred dollars worth of bonuses that were only given to people who purchased that All Access Pass. Okay, so who promoted the summit? Now this is important, I'm gonna talk about it in terms of ticket sales and things because if I didn't have people promoting the summit, obviously no one would attend, which meant which would mean that no one would make, um, that the summit wouldn't make any revenue at all. 
So if you're going to host a summit, you don't just do it for your own audience. The whole idea is to grow your list and grow your credibility, um, all kinds of things like that. So you really need to get in front of other people's audiences. So how do you do that? All of your speakers should be affiliates. All of my speakers were affiliates. Now, I also had affiliates that weren't speakers, but the majority of my affiliates were speakers. Now, they earned a 40% commission on every sale, okay? So obviously, they're not making commission every time somebody gets a free ticket. But if anyone who clicked on their link got a free ticket and then upgraded, um, they would earn a commission on that sale. Now, the commission structure was 40%. So if they made a uh, ticket sale immediately after somebody signed up, the person would have bought the ticket for $47, which meant the speaker would make um, $18.80. Now, if you do the math, that's pretty significant because lots of these speakers have big email lists. It's an easy easy thing to promote because it's so high value and it's technically free. So they made a lot of easy sales. Some of our speakers made several hundred dollars just by sending one email. So um, the catch here, it's not a catch, but the incentive for the speakers to continue promoting is if they reached 15 upgrades. Meaning if they had 15 referrals, their commission increased to 50% for all of their referrals, okay? So 50% for any of the ones that they made already, um, and then 50% for any future referral that they made. So with that, a $47 ticket meant that they were making $23.50. So you can see how this significantly increased um, a lot of their commissions. A lot of our speakers did reach that 15 upgrade threshold, so they were enjoying a nice chunk of of, uh, payouts when I did the payouts for them. Um, Now, most of the speakers did promote, although as a summit host, you do need to realize that there will be a percentage of your speakers who don't really promote at all, which is a bummer, but you don't really need to worry because the speakers who do promote, they go above and beyond. And I was just blown away by how many of our speakers sent so many emails and really just, they did their part to share this summit with their people and they reaped the benefits because the more they shared, the more referral sales they made, which meant they were taking away a lot. Um, Now, if you think about it, you're not I'm not paying my speakers. You know, I wasn't paying them a speaker fee. I was paying them with affiliate commissions. So they were basically getting paid for their time by promoting their summit. And again, like I said, some of our speakers made several hundred dollars. One of our speakers made over um, over $500 worth of sales from the summit. Um, But then, because she spoke at the summit, made over $500 that day from her own product sales, from people who were at the summit and then went to her shop and then started buying her stuff. Um, Another one of our speakers made a ton, like several hundred dollars from affiliate commissions and then several hundred dollars from her tripwire that she had from her lead magnet and then she launched later on and i don't have the final numbers yet but um she says it's looking good so a lot of our speakers they made they made bank basically from promoting the summit and it was easy for them to promote because it's such a high value event that it wasn't something they needed to feel guilty or sleazy about because they were giving to their audience and some of them um you know they really benefited from that Let's talk about, I'm going to jump ahead now to sponsorships. So sponsorships was kind of like a new thing for me. 
I've never really worked with sponsors before, um, but I decided I wanted to try it for the summit. A lot of summits don't use sponsors, but I wanted to give it a try for my first time. Um, and you know, if no one signed on, I didn't really lose anything. If people signed on, that's great. So basically what I did was I made a list of companies that I felt had products or services that would benefit my audience. It's really important with a sponsorship that you ensure that you love the product and it's good because the worst thing is if you promote something to your audience and it sucks because what happens is your audience loses trust in you and loses faith in you and for what? One sponsorship payout? It's not worth it. So you wanna make sure that you really, really love what you're promoting. So um, I had a sponsor, Deadline Funnel, that I love. Like I use their, I've used their product for years and I continue to use their product. I had planned to use their product for the summit, whether or not they signed on as a sponsor. Um, and they did sign on as a sponsor and it was really, really great. Basically having a sponsor paid for all of my expenses, um, which was amazing because that basically meant that anything that I made after that was just profit which is really cool. So one thing to keep in mind when getting sponsors is that it's hard, number one. And number two, a lot of your sponsors will not sign on until the very last minute, which just adds on a lot of work for you. And number three, having sponsors add stress. Um, you wanna make sure that you deliver to your sponsors and that they're happy and they have a good experience and they see a return on their investment. So that is going to add stress to hosting a summit. Um, and it did add a lot of stress to me. Um, but I do think that it was a worthwhile experience, especially because I never had worked with sponsors in the past. Now, when you're trying to find sponsors, you need to keep in mind what they want and what they need. So basically, when I talked to sponsors, my big goal when I was sending emails was um, give them the information they need and nothing more because they're busy, right? A lot of times these are big companies and they get a ton of emails, a ton of opportunities. So give them just like the very basic information that they need and get them on the phone with you. Once they're on the phone with you, that's where you give them the opportunity to tell you what constitutes success for them. Um, and a lot of times what I found is what constitutes success for them might not be what you think would be success for them. And I was shocked actually to hear from a lot of my sponsors and potential sponsors what would be um, what they would consider a return on their investment. It might be very different than from what you think. So give them the opportunity to tell you what they're looking to get out of the experience and then you tell them a little bit about what the experience is and how they can actually get what they're hoping for. They also want to know how big your reach is and how they're going to benefit. That's their number one goal. So when you're talking to sponsors, just remember what they're looking for and remember what their perspective is. So um, this was, like I said, it was my first time working with sponsors and I think it went well considering that it was my first time. Um, but like I said before, it does add stress. So be sure if you're going to work with sponsors that you really love the product, you've used the product, and that you're willing to stand by the product 100%. Running ads, running Facebook ads, running Instagram ads, it's one of those things that's super terrifying, especially if it's your first time. So I've never really relied on advertisements before. So I wanted to give it a try. This experience was all about trying new things and being open-minded. But I knew that I'm not successful 
my brain doesn't work in terms of advertisements. Like I am not the type of person who's going to sit in Facebook Ads Manager and know how to make it work, nor will I have the patience to learn how to do it. So because of that, because I know myself um, and I know the way my brain works, I decided right from the beginning I wasn't even going to try to do that. It would be a waste of my time and effort and money. So I needed to find somebody else who was going to do that for me. So I used my friend Brian Mannon from brianmannon.com to run my Facebook ads. He knows me and my business really well. We work well together. Um, I consider him a great friend and I have no regrets from working with him because he was absolutely exceptional. Like he goes above and beyond, like way beyond what a Facebook ads manager should do for you is basically what Brian Mannon did. He just like, it was, I don't even know how to explain it because I feel like I couldn't have done the summit without having him there. He was just such an amazing friend to have, an amazing support system. And even when it had nothing to do with Facebook ads, Brian was there to help me and support me with the summit. And that just, just I don't know, it just kind of says a lot about who he is as a person and um, how amazing it is to work with him. So I'm really happy that we got a chance to work together for the summit. So basically what happened was I told Brian what I wanted to do with the summit and he just took the wheel from there and he told me what I needed to give him. He gave me like timelines for when he needed certain things and when we should start running the ads and he really, really, like he did everything. I didn't even step into my Facebook ads manager once throughout the entire time of the summit. He managed everything for me and it was so good. So basically the result of the ads is that I broke even, which is what you want. Like you don't, no one wants to lose money on Facebook ads. Um, that's super terrifying and scary, especially if it's your first time. So I broke even, meaning everything that I put into the Facebook ad spend, I got back. Um, and we were able to track exactly what ads were making money and how they were making money and how many leads we got from them. So I broke even from that, which was super cool. And it kind of like lifted all of the dark clouds that I I had mentally surrounded Facebook ads with. I just, I had a bad experience in the past because I tried to do it myself. And like I said, my brain doesn't work that way. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I can't figure it out. It's just never going to work for me. But I took a leap, leap of faith running ads with the summit and Brian just changed my perspective totally with it and it just showed me if the right person is running your ads you're going to get results from them if you have a good product and I had a good product and um, it was super easy to promote the summit and the ads worked really well because I generated a lot of new leads and broke even um, and so it was a good experience. Now if you're thinking to yourself well what's the point what's the point of running ads if you're just going to break even the point of ads is to generate leads. It's not necessarily to make money. You don't want to lose money on ads. Um, so breaking even is kind of like the victory with ads. From there, they're on your email list and you can convert them into customers and upsell them and lots of other things. So once they're on your email list, that's amazing. And if you can break even, that's even better. So we talked about sponsors. We talked about all access pass upgrades. We talked about Facebook and Instagram ads. Um, the next thing to talk about is the launch immediately following the summit. And I'm not, I'm really not going to talk too much about this right now because I could just go into a whole other podcast episode about launching and that's just a story for another day. Would I launch immediately after the summit again? No. Um, I definitely wouldn't do it again that way. I told you guys at the beginning of this episode I was going to tell you the good, the bad, everything in between. And I would consider this like the bad. Um, launching after a summit 
took such an emotional toll on me. Launching just by itself is really hard and stressful and there's a lot of emotional aspects involved in it, but launching after a summit just kind of like exponentially increased the stress and I needed to sleep after my summit. Like if I could go back and do it again, I would just not, I would not do the launch. I would call it a day after the last day of the summit and just treat myself to some wine and cheese and dessert and sleep for like a year. <laughs> Launching after the summit took a lot out of me and looking at the numbers, was it worth it? Um, I think it would have been just as good if I had done it three weeks to a month later. So in the future, what I would do is run the summit um, end the summit and just encourage people to upgrade in the days after the uh, summit ends. So after the day three videos expire, I would basically send emails to anyone who didn't upgrade their ticket yet to let them know their videos have expired and this is their last last chance to upgrade. And then I would just take a break. You know, I would send my regular newsletter to them once a week, some podcast episodes, etc. Nurture them. Um, I would basically use the summit as like a preceding for a launch and then I would launch um, probably like a month to six weeks after the summit ended. That's my little spiel on launching immediately after the summit. Okay, so let's talk about some technology. I used ClickFunnels for the virtual summit and I am not planning on using ClickFunnels again. I think it's great software, but I could do it easier and cheaper and better using WordPress in the future. The reason why I went with ClickFunnels is because I kind of wanted everything under one roof. I wanted the membership site for the All Access Pass holders in one place. I wanted the um, software to be able to have the actual order form in one place. I wanted the email to be in one place. I wanted the website in one place. And that was ClickFunnels. You know, there's not really another tool out there that does everything that all of those things. And I've heard a lot of Russell Brunson. I've read his books. I know all about him. He's a brilliant, brilliant guy with some great software. ClickFunnels is amazing. Um, however, it is a little bit glitchy and it's super expensive. Um, I spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars every month with ClickFunnels. And I, I felt like after the fact that I have enough knowledge and expertise to do exactly the same thing using WordPress and Thrivecart and the other tools that I already have. So in the future, when I host a summit, I will be using WordPress, Deadline Funnel, Thrivecart for Payment and the affiliate program, and Access Ally, which is my membership site. I already have Access Ally, I already have Deadline Funnel, I already have a WordPress website. Um, I purchased Thrivecart after this last summit because um, I knew that I wouldn't use ClickFunnels again. Basically, Thrivecart right now is available for sale for a, for like a one-time lifetime purchase. So you pay one flat fee right now and you get Thrivecart for life. And you're not paying any payment processing fees um, and you never ever have to pay again. And it gives you the functionality to have a beautiful order form with all the functionality that you need an order form to have and a really functional flexible affiliate program for any of your products all of your products and you can use it on any site all of your sites whatever so i wish that i had done this um for this summit but you don't know what you don't know at the time 
And so I can't really have any regrets because like I said, I didn't know what I didn't know. And now I know. And so I'm making a more informed decision in the future. But if I had used Thrivecart initially, I would have paid the flat fee, which I think is just under $600. And then I would never have to pay it again. And so the next time I would run the summit, I wouldn't have to pay anything because I already have it and I already have WordPress and I'm already paying for ConvertKit. I'm already paying for Access Ally. So basically it wouldn't cost like anything in terms of technology to run the summit. Whereas ClickFunnels, you pay a very, very steep monthly fee. Now, I'm not gonna talk against ClickFunnels because like I said, it is a great tool and I think it's exceptional for people who just want everything under one roof and they have, like they, they aren't super design oriented. They don't want to manage WordPress sites. Like I personally would rather pay a one-time fee for something than have to pay monthly for something. Like if there's ever a lifetime a payment option, I'm gonna go for that for something that I plan to use long-term because it's always financially more sound. Um, so that's kind of my little insight on technology, but I will give you a rundown on all the other things that I used. So because I, so also another thing with ClickFunnels, I didn't like the membership site, like their membership site right now, um, as it stands, is not beautiful. It doesn't look good and I'm all about user experience. So I ended up using Teachable for my membership site. So if somebody bought the All Access Pass, they created a Teachable account to access their stuff. And I just like the way that Teachable looks. But that meant that I was also paying for Teachable. So that added some fees. Basically, um, there's a lot of things that I didn't consider um, before the summit. Because like I said, you don't know what you don't know. Um, in terms of technology. So it was definitely a learning curve and I thought that I would use everything under ClickFunnels, but I ended up using ClickFunnels plus a lot of other things. So the whole point of using it was kind of out the window. So I used ClickFunnels, I used Deadline Funnel to expire my pages, which was awesome. Um, I used the ClickFunnels email um, but ended up having to move all of my emails from ClickFunnels over to ConvertKit because like I said, I was closing my ConvertKit account. And I use Teachable for my membership site and I use Vimeo for my video hosting, which I already used for my membership site. So I already had that. And I think those were everything I used. Oh, I also had to use Zapier. I don't know how to say that. Zapier, Zapier, whatever. However you call that tool. I had to use that to connect to my... Um, from the order form to Teachable. So if somebody signed up for the All Access Pass, Zapier would immediately enroll them in a Teachable course so they didn't have to do anything manual. It was all automatic. Um, but again, that was another thing that I needed to pay for because I didn't like consider it, you know? It was just one of those things I didn't think about. And then the other tool that I had to use was SendGrid because with ClickFunnels email, you needed to connect to like an SMTP service. If this is too technical for, technical for you guys, just like know that if you have a ConvertKit or a, a MailerLite, you already have what you need. But if you use ClickFunnels, you would need an SMTP service. So I use that, which added another $15 a month. So it was a bunch of things um, that I ended up having to add on to the $297 a month fee that ClickFunnels was. So I spent a lot of money on technology for this. In the future, I won't have to spend anything. So let's talk budget. I spent about, no, my entire spend on the summit, and this is with the affiliate commissions, was just over $6,000. 
So that was with um, dropping over 700 on ClickFunnels. That was with $1,000 on Facebook ads. Um, that was with over $3,700 in affiliate commissions. That was with $15 to SendGrid. That was with having to upgrade my Vimeo account to account for additional storage and upload um, upload parameters. So that was an additional $170 upgrade. That was with paying for a month with Teachable Pro, $99. And that was with paying $300 for an event planner. So it was just over $6,000. Um, and I feel like that was pretty good. I don't know if I should be including my affiliate commissions inside of my expenses, but I did have to spend that money, so I'm going to keep it under that umbrella. Um, what would I do differently? Like I said, I spent a flat fee of, I think it was just under $600 for Thrivecart, and after that I'm not going to have to spend anything additional for technology because I already have everything. Let's talk about how to find speakers. I know that's something of interest for a lot of you guys. So basically what I did was I made a list of all the topics that I wanted covered and if I knew people who could cover those topics, I made a list of their names and if I didn't know people, I basically asked for recommendations on social media and or I searched for them on Google and on Pinterest. Then I did outreach. So basically I made a list of them, I found their emails, and I just started sending emails out. And my emails to them basically said, hey, um, nice to meet you if I didn't know them already, or if I did know them, I just you know caught up with them a little bit. And I said, here's what I'm doing. You know, Here's the summit, the Rebel Boss Summit. Here are the dates that it's happening, and here's who the audience is and the goal for the summit. And then I told them, um, or I asked them, will you be a speaker? And I gave them some ideas on topics that I wanted covered that I thought that they would be really good at speaking about and have expertise in. And then I told them some benefits for participating. And I also included a one-pager info sheet that had a little bit more information for anyone who had some additional questions. Now, most people either replied immediately yes or after like a one-week follow-up email said yes after that. A few folks said no because they were already booked for something or they were traveling and just other things were happening in their life. And then a few folks just never replied, um, like maybe two or three people. So I was pleasantly surprised with how easy it was to get speakers. Um, it was like, I don't know, because I think that people know how much value they get out of Virtual Summit, so it just wasn't something that I needed to do a lot of convincing for. People were really excited about it. If they couldn't participate, they felt really sad that they couldn't participate because of whatever else was going on in their life and told me to keep them in mind for next time. Um, and everyone was just really excited. So I would recommend if you are going to host a summit, make sure that you set calendar reminders to follow up with people because inboxes are crazy. And I always say like I have a war in my inbox going on at all times. Um, I might get an email, check it in the morning and forget that I ever got that email because it just got lost in all of the other incoming messages that I receive on a daily basis. So send a courtesy one to two weeks follow-up message to anyone who didn't reply because chances are high that they want in, but they just lost the email in their inbox. And that was true for a lot of my speakers. Now, after they signed up, or after they said that they were excited and ready to participate, I had them sign a very simple contract and I um, sent them a questionnaire. So the questionnaire basically collected all of the information that I would need for them. So their topic, their um, bio, their headshots, their presentation title, their social media handles, everything. And then I directed them to sign up for the affiliate program. Then, 
what I did was I made a list of all of my speakers in ConvertKit. So I made like a segmented list for people who are speakers of the Rebel Boss Summit so that I could easily send them email blasts with the information that they needed. Um, one cool thing that I did that I think is really creative, <laughs> giving myself a little pat on the back for coming up with this idea, but after they signed up for the affiliate program, I embedded their affiliate link, their unique affiliate link in a ConvertKit custom code, um, or sorry, custom field, not custom code. So what would happen is every time I emailed this list of speakers, I reminded them what their unique affiliate link was. And anytime I sent them swipe copy for emails, like, hey, send this email today, their affiliate links were already embedded in the emails. So it made it really easy for them to promote. So they didn't have to go logging into their affiliate program, hunting down their affiliate link every single time. It was provided to them. Now, I, something that I did really well, or I felt like I did really well, was communicating with my speakers. So every week for the four weeks leading up to the summit, they either received one email or two emails from me. And I gave them exciting news about the summit. I reminded them of important information about the summit. I um, told them if I needed something from them. And I would include like their promo stuff. So I would say, hey, today is the day that you need to send this email. Or today, be between now and Tuesday, you should send this email and share this on social media. And I always included the images, the swipe copy, everything, so that they wouldn't have to go that extra step to find the stuff on their own. And of all the feedback that I got about the summit, most of the people who gave feedback, or not most, everyone who gave me feedback said that my communication with them was really great and that I made it super easy. So I feel like I did that part really well. The one piece of advice, like constructive advice that I got about um, the summit and speakers was that they hated my chat software and they were not alone because all of my attendees hated my chat software too. So I will be looking for a new alternative to chat or just totally not using chat at all in the future. I always liked, after I do a big project, I'd li I like to think, what do I do well? What, what can I do better next time? So like I said, that the communication with the speakers was definitely something I feel like I did really well. I also feel like I designed the websites really well. Um, I did everything myself. Like everything that you saw if you attended the Rebel Boss Summit was me. I designed the websites. I designed the graphics. Like everything was me. Now I'll talk about what I can improve in the future next time um, in just a minute because I think that that was a mistake that I made. I shouldn't have done everything myself. But in terms of the design elements, I feel like I did that really well and managing the speakers really well. Um, I feel like I, I just overall the event was a success. Like I made money from it. Um, I grew my list, like everything that I needed to achieve and wanted to achieve, I achieved. And I feel like I gave some great value to our attendees. And that is something that is the most important. Like if this event made a lot of money but sucked, that would be, not be a success. The most important thing to me is giving value to the people who attended, just giving a really great experience. And this definitely did that. Um, what do I plan to improve in the future? I definitely feel like I need to do better at reaching more affiliates and I think it will be easier the next time around because I'll be able to say hey you know here are the numbers from this past time do you want in do you want to participate and I think more people will be responsive I also think that I need to double down on the value of the all access pass more and I think that I can do that with speaker participation so I think I can 
get more stuff from speakers in terms of like giving them the opportunity to contribute more of their own products to the All Access Pass and doing more interviews, just things like that to make the All Access Pass even more value than it already is. I also will plan on increasing upsell opportunities, so increasing um, add-on options for anyone who's buying the All Access Pass. So they'll be able to add on some like notes or um, MP3 downloads, like just different things like that, or people who are already buying the All Access Pass, give them more opportunities to increase what they're getting. I also would like to um, explore the option of adding in some sort of physical gift for attendees who upgrade, so some sort of physical merch of some sort. And I'm definitely going to do better at increasing social buzz during the summit. So I did a little bit with hashtags this time around, but I will do more of that in the future. And I'll do a better job at promoting that hashtag and giveaway opportunities before the summit even starts. With that in mind, I'm also going to do way better at nurturing emails between sign up to summit time. So sometimes people signed up weeks before the summit started and they didn't really get any emails from me in that time from when they signed up to when the summit started. So I'm gonna do better at giving them opportunities to upgrade their all access pass and giving them value in that window. And then I'm also gonna hire a virtual assistant, which I'm already in the process of doing. So like I said before, I did everything on my own and yeah, sure, maybe that sounds cool, but it's not. It is not cool, it's not smart, it's not sustainable. Um, If I had a virtual assistant do a lot of the very basic things, I would have had more time to get more affiliates and do more of the revenue growing strategies that I had no time to do. I would also be able to respond more to customer service requests and be more active in the Facebook group, like all the other things I had, I just didn't have time to do or I got overwhelmed with, a virtual assistant would be able to help me with. So I'm already in the process of hiring a virtual assistant and creating a job description and getting them to do a lot of the organizational, honestly mundane stuff that I shouldn't be focusing on as the leader of the summit so that I can clear my plate and have more time for the stuff that really, really matters. That's pretty much everything. That's the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, everything in between. This was an amazing experience. One thing that I actually just realized that I did not tell you was the actual um, revenue. I told you about my expenses, but I failed to tell you about my revenue. So the summit made just over $16,000 and then the expenses was $6,000, pretty much even. So the summit made a net profit of just over $10,000, which was pretty significant for my first time running a summit. So I'm really pleased with how it went down and I'm even more excited about how I can do it better next time. It was just super cool. It's like when you're running a summit and or just doing any project in general, as it's happening, you know all the things you would do differently next time, but you just have no time. It's not possible to fix them. So you're making a list of all the things that you would do differently and better. And now I get to sit down and really take action on those things and make those changes and Even writing this podcast episode and recording the podcast episode gets me more stoked about how I'm going to do this better next time and how I'm going to continue to grow this and how this will continue to be a critical part of my business and um, of my brand. So if you're thinking about running a virtual summit, I hope that this helped you. I hope that you learned something from me. Um, I hope that my vulnerability and raw breakdown of everything that happened in the summit was useful for you and that you took down some notes. Um, because I wish that I had something like this when I was running my summit for the first time. One word of advice that I'll leave you with is don't give yourself any less than 90 days to run a virtual summit. 
there will be days that you feel like you have your shit together where you feel like everything is going super well and then there will be days that you feel like your world is crashing in on you and if you give yourself less than 90 days you're doing yourself a disservice and you're doing your registrants a disservice to run a really successful event so if you're like me you're impatient and you just want it to happen and long time frames for projects are not exciting for you you just like to do stuff and take action and get it done but from one impatient person to another give yourself at least 90 days to make it happen all right so i do want to give a shout out to my friend krista miller at summit in a box who has an amazing resource that i purchased prior to the summit um i don't remember exactly what it's going for right now i think she increased the price since since the time that I purchased it until now um, but I couldn't run the summit without it because basically what she did was create this list of all the things that you need to do when you're running a virtual summit it's like a 90-day time frame she gives you the dates that you need to take action on those things so that you can be successful in a 90-day window and make sure that you don't forget anything so if you are planning on running a virtual summit definitely check Krista out at summit in a box and download all of her free stuff like anything you can get from her from for free get it and and if you're really serious about running a summit, buy her stuff because she's just, she is so organized. Like I always say, I am an action taker. Um, I just do things really, really fast. And I need somebody else to slow me down and make sure I'm not skipping any steps. And Krista's tools helped me do that. So definitely go check her out. I'm going to drop all the links to her stuff in the show notes. All right, guys, I hope you got some good information out of this episode. It was really useful for me, selfishly, to write down some notes for this podcast episode so that I could continue to digest after the summit and make plans for the future. But I hope it gave you information on whether or not a virtual summit is for you, whether or not you should do it. And if you're in the middle of planning a virtual summit, hopefully you were able to learn from my mistakes and my successes to make your event super useful and incredible and high value. All right, guys, thanks again for tuning in. I will catch you next time.